episode 52 of the Chilling Your Boot podcast, and today we bring you leading AFL journalist Mitch Cleary. Mitch has rose to prominence in the last few years with his work with the AFL media, namely co-hosting The Round So Far with Kane Corns. It was a very enjoyable chat, and we hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Before we get into another episode of the podcast, we'd like to remind you that this one is proudly sponsored by Kremlin. You can use the code BENM10, all in caps, for 10% off on all your clothing needs, so make sure you get onto that. Mitch, welcome to the Chew In Your Boot podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, boys. It's fantastic to have you. We like to get a little bit of background about our guests. So tell us a bit about yourself and your childhood and where your passion for sport developed from. My passion for uh, AFL probably started in the Ford stand at the Geelong Footy Club, um, being a member from the age of six or seven, going to watch the Cats when they were pretty much no good in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and it's stayed stay with there for a long time. Played footy at uh, the St Mary's Footy Club in Geelong for a long time and quickly realised I wasn't going to be much good as a footballer. So needed to work out how I could stay involved for a long time. And I've always loved the media and newspapers and just uh, consuming everything. I still remember being under 14 footy training uh, 2006 um, when Mark Thompson was on his last legs as the Geelong Footy Club coach, they had an extraordinary board meeting. Uh, our, our ground is next to the Geelong Footy Club. And still remember seeing all the cameras and the, the live TV broadcast trucks there for that meeting. He survived it and then went on to become probably one of the best coaches in Geelong Footy Club history. So uh, funny how those things happen. And now I'm on the other side of things um, as one of those journos um, doing the doorstops and, and doing all those other things. And in your playing career, what, what uh, position did you play? Do you like to snag a few goals? or? Uh, I was a bit of like the slow wingman or the, the slow halfback that says you could probably read the play as my only good trait. Um, but we were lucky enough to win a premiership uh, on Caninia Park, under-18 footy. So uh, that's my claim to fame when it comes to footy. But uh, haven't didn't get a chance to do much else after that work. Quickly got consumed on the weekends and realised that there was uh, a bit more to be had than just running around playing reserves level footy in the Geelong Footy League. You mentioned work. When did you know sports journalism was the career path you wanted to go down? And you worked at the Geelong Advertiser in your teenage years. Was that where it developed from? Yeah, so there was a, um, there was a Hot Shots program um, when I was in year 10. At the, at, so I went to St. Joey's, uh, St. Joseph's College in Geelong. Um, a program for year 10, 11, 12 and first year uni students to do a bit of eight week workshop at the Geelong Addy. And uh, I was lucky enough to put my hand up and, and got picked as part of that. Um, still there's people I met in that course that are, have got jobs out of it. Um, and it was just a bit of an eye opener to, to what life was as a journo. And from there just hassled them and, and got to write a bit of uh, Geelong footy league stuff. The first game, funnily enough, I, uh, I reported on was a North Shore Lara game where Devin Smith made his debut and kicked four goals for Lara. And it's uh, funny, I still bump into him when I'm at Essendon or before COVID times and we have a bit of a laugh about that day. Um, He's gone on to become a star at the Essendon Footy Club and um, from there just, yeah, did all the right things and um, kept trying to knock down doors to to get opportunities and um, always had a plan to want to be the best journal I could. So, um, tried to move to Melbourne uh, as quick as I could and landed at Croc Media and now working at uh, afl.com.au. And uni, where did you go and what did you study? 
So I did first year uni at Deakin University in Geelong. Um, given I was working um, a fair bit, playing footy still at that time. So um, I was one of those kids that was at uni for probably the, the bare minimum of what needed and then and left straight away, tried to do as much as I could online like you boys are doing for school at the moment. Um, but yeah, I only did a year there uh, and then went part-time for a couple of years. I got my first full-time job at Croc Media at the age of 19. Um, so um, uh, yeah, just decided that uni full-time was a bit hard to manage. So sort of did a subject or two for, for a couple of years while I was just finding my feet with my job, but haven't touched it for a while. And um, who knows, may, not, may never again. It, it's always there in the background, but still got a few subjects to, to complete. And you mentioned you joined Croc Media in 2013, taking on some big roles. How did all that come about? So, um, yeah, so first year of uni, while I was doing that first year of full-time uni, sorry, I did mention I was working, um, I was playing footy still, but also doing a day a week of internship at Croc Media. Uh, that was under Damien Barrett and Craig Hutchison, who have been fantastic uh, role models uh, for me. So I was uh, in at Croc Media, cutting audio, um, doing commercial credits and, and all sorts of things, trying to um, get get a taste of it. And after that year, that's when I, I got my first full-time job. So um, the other part of that, Trade Radio, I'm not sure if you boys have, have heard much of that, the AFL Trade broadcast that's done by Croc Media for the AFL website. So that was a great place to, to learn and uh, get to know a few people, player managers and, and, and club list managers um, while I was just working it all out. So, yeah, I was able to to get a bit out of that and you mentioned radio you've done a lot of that but also a lot of on-screen stuff now for the afl.com what's your preference it's a good question um uh, it's they're just so different you walk into a radio studio and um it's probably less prep you, you, you sort of have a, a basic running sheet but you go in there and just chat and it, it could go anywhere tv is a lot more scripted and structured uh, and everything sort of runs to time radio does too but it can sort of go in different ways. Um, I don't know, probably, probably radio it allows you to, to tell a story a bit better and um, you can be reading your notes and you can be, you can be texting, you know, still there's some times when you're, you're texting and uh, reading stuff on the fly while you're, you're speaking. It's a bit more open that way. And uh, the on-screen stuff is awesome and still getting my, my head around that. But um, yeah, they're, they're both pretty different. And you won the Clinton Grivers Rising Star Award in 2014 must have been pleasing to receive recognition for your rapid rise up the ranks in the industry. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I still remember Caroline Wilson handing me the uh, the uh, award in front of a, a big room at the MCG. I just turned 21, um, and uh, that was pretty pretty awesome with some of the people in the room that night. Um, yeah, and, and there's been some some great winners of that award, uh, and still remember growing up listening to Clinton. Uh, call footy, his 2005 Geelong um, Sydney semi-final call was one of the greats, he and Rex Hunt, and I've been lucky enough to, to get to know Rex a bit too, and he, he speaks very highly of Clinton and what he was able to achieve in a, in a short amount of time, so um, yeah, pretty pretty nice honour that one. And you've also featured on Footy Classified and the Footy Show in the past, working along Side some of the biggest names in the AFL industry. Was that daunting at first or something that you just got on with the job with? Yeah, it's a good question. You, you probably, um, you probably are daunted a little bit at the start when you, you know, you walk in there and James Brayshaw and, and Gary Lyon, 
um, uh, are there. But it's funny that those two guys have have sons uh, my age, and they were they were awesome to be able to connect with. And, and I felt that um, sort of chatting to them about their kids. And, and funnily, I know uh, I have worked with Gary's son now, who now works at SEN as a producer, Ben. Um, so just having that common thread with those guys was pretty cool. And Damien Barrett working for him in the new segments was also um, awesome because he's been such a good mentor for me. But um, yeah, long days working for footy classified and footy show uh, wouldn't change for a bit. But no, those stakeouts you see, uh, you might see a 15 second grab of a football or a, or a coach walking out of a, an office or a, a scanning center as they go in for their, for their x-rays. You could be waiting there for six, seven, eight hours uh, for that for that fifteen seconds. So it taught taught you a lot, and um, it's probably made me as you know hungry and competitive for for everything now. Just those, those times. And in twenty eighteen, you made the move to AFL Media. How tough a decision was it to leave Croc Media, and um, yeah, what prompted that move? Yeah, I just uh, Croc Media has so much to offer, and that was one of the most brilliant things about working there radio tv uh i did a lot of producing there as well um so uh, the afl just was an option for me to uh focus full-time on, on being a journal and i wanted to see how i could go in that um just nailing down on one thing being a, being a footy journal um and i've still got some awesome mates at, at croc media um and still work with them actually uh you boys would probably know from from the regional areas that the afl nation broadcasts um uh, worked on that last year in 2019 uh, all around the country uh, as a boundary rider and, and doing new segments. Um, and that was pretty cool So to stay involved with there. So hopefully they've, uh, you know, I've still got some good mates there and they've, uh, they all uh, appreciate what I've done to this point. And you co-host the round so far with Kane Corns. Can you give us an insight into that? And is there much preparation that goes into it? Because it obviously has to be, I suppose, a pretty quick process being in between the middle of a round. Yeah, so the last Saturday night game usually finishes 10 o'clock-ish uh, on the Saturday night and we try and record within an hour of, of that going up. It takes an hour or so for it to filter through and go online, but you, you try and grab a few people uh, before they go to bed on the Saturday night, but the biggest audience is on that Sunday morning when people might not have been watching footy or they've been at local footy or who knows where they've been. So it's just trying to give a good rap to everything that's happened on the Friday and Saturday. And even now we're seeing Wednesday or Thursday games we chat about given the, the different nature of, of this season. Um, but speaking about that scripted and structured nature before um, with TV or, or uh, this uh, vision show, um, this online show, everything's got to be, you know, you've got vision, you've got graphics there. So it's very scripted and structured, you know, where you're going. So, um, we've got a producer, Paul Baston, who, who does a mountain of work on the on a Saturday uh, before Kane and I get there. But, you know, it's funny. You've got the WhatsApp group pinging around all week with different ideas and different vision bits you've seen um, and pointing out little, little clips you'd like to highlight. So hopefully it, uh, it offers a bit that show and something different because, you know, it's pretty – a lot of footy shows do the nuts and bolts. We try and offer something that people might not have seen. You know, if everyone's watched the games – um, hopefully if they've watched, they can still find something that they may not have picked up um, during the games themselves. And with Kane not being in Victoria at the moment due to everything that's going on, does that make it harder at all, not having him sitting next to you? He'd probably say it's easier because he doesn't have to come <laughs> in and, and fly every week. But, yeah, it does to a degree. I think just we've all become uh, accustomed to speaking on Zoom and, 
and trying to structure how we chat um, rather than just standing side by side. It's probably easier when you're in the same room and in the same studio chatting and you can bounce off each other. You get different sort of hints. And the longer you work with someone on a show like that, the more you understand when they're going to speak or when they're going to jump in and, and things like that. But yeah, I think we've made do pretty well. And um, hopefully we're still providing something for, for fans on the Sunday morning. And just on Kane, obviously you do a lot of work with him. What's he like sort of off air and away from the screen and compared to how, how we are wider, the wider um, audience might see him? Yeah, it's a good, really good question. A lot of people ask this. They think he's this grisly sort of grumpy guy that only has bad hot takes on AFL players and coaches and clubs, but uh, he's great. He's Kane Corns is the one guy you could text him and I reckon he would respond within 30 seconds never has the phone out of his hand and uh, if you haven't if he hasn't text back within a minute you know he's either running or doing something with his kids so he's always around Kane very accessible very few work harder um, I've worked with Terry Wallace in uh, at SEN and through my Croc Media time and, and he's as well prepared as anyone but Kane Corns researches everything he'll have read every story relating to anything in footy um, and that's what makes him so good to work with. He's, he's so well-researched and he uh, consumes so much because, uh, sadly, there's plenty of guys who just float through it and don't, um, but Kane's definitely one of those that uh, researches and, and consumes a lot. And last year, you won the Best Feature Writer Award at the AFMA Awards Night. Must have been a great honour again, um, as well as that other award earlier on. Yeah, it's, uh, it was, um, and that's the, one of the best things about AFL media and working at afl.com.au is they give you the chance to, to write different sort of things. So we're all going to work each day, wanting to break the biggest and best footy stories uh, of the day, but there's also a chance to, to, to drill down on a few different topics and um, write some longer form things, which um, we really appreciate a great chance to build contacts and, and get to know different people. Um, one of those pieces that as part of that award were, uh, was the Collingwood coaches box, um, wrote a piece on um, the different people involved pre-COVID, of course, different people involved on match day at Collingwood on the bench and, and up in the box as to what their roles were. So got to chat to a lot of different people through that. And that just helps you for the long run because, you know, um, the physio down the boundary, he might be the head of footy one day at a footy club or, um, you know, the recruiter who's third in line at a club may become the chief recruiter at that club. So good to um, get to know different people and, um, I found getting to know a lot of the younger people in the industry hopefully grow the same rate as them. They're only going to uh, have bigger roles down the track and hopefully uh, it comes to, to fruition for me when I get to know them uh, when they're in those positions. And this year's obviously been one like no other. Unprecedented is the word that's been thrown around a lot. How has the coronavirus's impact impacted your work? Um, yeah, so... Um, we're just in the middle of uh, a restructure at the moment at the AFL. So um, I'm sure you guys would have seen, um, unfortunately, a lot of positions, but not only at AFL, but at clubs have had to, to downsize. And that's just the, the way of the world at the moment. So um, I think it just shows we're all working from home and, and having to do different things. So everything's different, but everyone's working through and, and working just as hard to, to keep people up to date with footy news. So hopefully we can... Uh, we can keep people posted as best we can. And now just on to some general footy chat, it'd be silly of us not to talk about this with you, but um, 
you obviously do a lot of work and talk around player movement and trades. Who do you see being the big movers this year? Yeah, Jared Danaher is interesting. So we're recording this early September. I can't see him having come to a decision by the end of September or anytime soon. I think he's uh, going to be the big fish and, and one of the big dominoes because uh, if he leaves Essendon, then they go and target another key forward. Do they go for Ben Brown? Do they look at Peter Wright? from the Gold Coast. So uh, I think he's a big fish and a big part to play. Jeremy Cameron, of course, still expecting him to sign, but it's just dragging on a little bit longer and longer. And he did tell us in July that he was going to re-sign soon, Jezza. So we're waiting and waiting for that. Brad Crouch at the Crows, uh, got a few suitors in him. Jordan Ngoi still hasn't signed. I think Darcy Moore will sign very soon at Collingwood. But there's some big-name players up for grabs this year. They won't all leave, but... um, I think there's a bit to play and with list sizes being reduced. So we're still waiting on an official outcome on that. But uh, those middle tier guys, you know, Dan Butler is one example that springs to mind. Clubs will be looking for the next Dan Butler in 2021 because he got squeezed out at Richmond last year and now he's arguably in all Australian form as a a small forward. So um, with list sizes to come down from 45 as as they sit now, uh, maybe into the high 30s or or 40s, uh, low 40s, um, players at some clubs will be getting squeezed out and other clubs will see them as a priority. So uh, get excited for the player movement space this year. I think it's going to be uh, nice and exciting. And there's a lot of talk coming out around the Giants, Harry Perryman, I think I saw, and Zach Williams. How much of that do you see playing out? Yeah, well, I think Jeremy Cameron is obviously the number one priority. Um, they, don't have his, they don't have an endless... Uh, checkbook the Giants. So someone is going to have to, to fall out. Um, and those guys you mentioned, there's still, there's still players even beyond that. They've got three first-round picks from two years ago. Xavier O'Halloran, Jackson Haitley, and Jai Caldwell still without contracts for next season and beyond. So someone is going to have to fall out at the Giants. Leon Cameron's had a pretty good track record when he speaks of gut feel for Jezza and... and um, Zach Williams, that's what he's saying right now. They'll stay. He said the same about Canelio the year before. Josh Kelly, he got right as well. So the big fish might stay, but as we've seen with the Giants, uh, they can't keep them all and someone will have to, to, to pick them up. And uh, I think those, some of those younger guys might have futures elsewhere. And the grand final venue was obviously announced yesterday. The Gabba, do you agree with the decision? And how do you see the, I suppose, spectacle of the grand final playing out in Brisbane? I think it'll be awesome. And I think it's people obviously saying Perth and Adelaide have more superior stadiums. Obviously they do, but Brisbane has come to the party to help the AFL. And I think this is a long, and the word legacy has been the one thrown around this week. You know, there's guys in their teens and twenties that might be NRL fans and committed to to rugby league, but they might now get a chance to open their eyes to, to AFL in Queensland. That's the big growth market for the AFL. It's why they've um, persisted so long with the Gold Coast Suns and we're seeing the Giants start to, to come to uh, a stronghold in the competition now. So I think it's uh, it's a no-brainer to have it in Queensland and um, unlock a few potential future fans. Um, you know, WA playing hard to get might have just come back to bite them when they're, uh, they're saying that they wanted it. And I think there was a suggestion yesterday that the decision to make it at the Gabba puts a bit more pressure on the Lions. Obviously, if they do happen to make the grand final, be at home. Do you see that putting any added pressure on them? 
Yeah, well, I always thought there was pressure on the Lions this year. We almost gave them a free pass last year. They lost two finals uh, against Richmond and then the Giants at the Gabba, uh, both of those games in their own backyard. And we all thought, yeah, this is a developing side in the Lions. Um, they'll come good. But another year on, McCluggage, Berry, uh, Rayner, Zach Bailey, all these guys are another year older now. And this is their go time. And they'll never get a better chance to win a flag in their own, well, They'll never get another chance to, to win one in, in Queensland, but it's rare they're going to get this sort of opportunity. So it's time for them to cash in. Uh, Geelong, Richmond, West Coast are still up and firing, but uh, this is the year I reckon the Lions, uh, if they don't make a prelim or even the grand final, um, questions should be asked because um, they're going to get some, uh, some nice um, incentives now and they haven't had to, to do much travel when they've uh, done plenty of that in recent years. So it's a good time for them. And how have you seen the season itself? It's obviously pretty exciting now coming to the back end, but um, it's pretty hard to tell at the moment, but who are your main flag favourites? Yeah, probably Richmond and West Coast with, with Geelong as well. We speak about Brisbane and the, the pressure being on them for finals. Well, the Cats have made, I think, four or five prelims since their last premiership um, and haven't made a grand final since. So time is of the essence now for them, Selwood, Hawkins, Ablett, they haven't got much longer left. Um, and I think the Cats need to cash in as well as anyone now. Um, but it's a great end of the season because every game means something. 17 games, um, although it's going to be unlikely we ever see it again, given the, the, uh, the, the TV rights deal and how much each game is worth in the 22-game season. The 17 games have been a nice change-up and made every game uh, mean something. And the end of the year is uh, going to be pretty super to watch. And Richmond in the news today, how do you see that affecting the rest of our se- or their season? <laughs> yeah, it's just obviously not, both players, Sydney Stack and, and Callum Coleman-Jones, we're speaking now. We'll get real specific. Just after four o'clock, the, the findings haven't been handed out. Uh, I saw the Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk speak earlier this afternoon saying she expects them to be sent home. And given how... Uh, in tight the AFL have been with the Queensland government. You'd expect that would be the way it goes. It's just another unneeded um, misdemeanor for Richmond this year. They've had a couple now and um, it's the last thing they need to be doing, but they have proven that they've been able to go on a nice win streak with plenty going on behind the scenes. So um, if Stack and Coleman Jones do indeed get, get sent home, maybe it uh, sharpens their focus a bit and, and that AFL side can, uh, can get back to doing what it does best and moving the ball at speed and, and winning big games of footy. And obviously the nature of this season, having multiple games during the week has probably impacted the quality of the game. Do you see that as a real issue going forward or just something <clears throat> for this season? Probably just for this season. It's been hard. Clubs haven't been able to train as their full group and getting to watch a lot of AFL training. They rely a lot on that match simulation and that match practice in full ground drills and, and their ball movement. Teams are struggling to score. Um, I think some good defences have played a part in that, but also the ball movement just hasn't been able to be practised on the on the training track as much. You know, in a normal AFL season, you'd, you'd have teams on six, seven and eight day breaks and they'd get a chance to review properly and then plan for the team ahead. But now teams are playing off four and five day breaks and it's, it's all about recovery. They might not even step foot onto a footy oval between their, their previous game and their current game. So, uh, I think it's it'll be something that readjusts into next year, and um, 
yeah, I think uh, if clubs can can do their best in the trade period and, and identify their needs, then we might be in for an exciting 2021. Definitely. Well, Mitch, that's all I've got for you. We can't thank you enough for your time and good luck for the rest of your future. Just want to ask you boys one question. Where, where do you want to be in, in uh, years to come? Obviously, you've got an interest in sports journalism. Where do you see your, yourselves and uh, the futures of uh, your careers? Yeah, well, um, obviously, uni next year for both of us. So I think once we work out what what career, what specific path we want to go down, I probably at the moment I'm more into the writing article side of things. So, yeah, from my personal point of view, I would say, yeah. Yeah, I'm not too sure what I want to get into. I, I know the industry, but, um, yeah, I think once I get into a bit of uni, I'll sort of work out which path I want to go down. Nice. Well, all the best. And uh, good to see you in the podcast world already. Usually, uh, you know, people have been in the industry for years and years and just getting their first podcast. So it's exciting to see. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Wraps us up for another episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for some more episodes. <laughs>